Hello, and welcome to the Healed Podcast, the place where we can talk about all things food, body, and mind from an anti-diet and weight-inclusive lens. My name is Marie-Pierre, or you can call me Marie, and I am your host. I'm a registered dietitian with a background in psychology, and I specialize in food relationship and body image. And I am the founder and CEO of The Balance Practice, a treatment center for eating disorder and disordered eating. Every week on the podcast, you will hear from myself, the team at The Balance Practice, and other providers who have dedicated their careers in supporting folks to have better relationship with food and their bodies. On this podcast, we aim to provide a safe space to have these deep and juicy conversations regarding eating disorder, disordered eating recovery, health, relationship, body image, and honestly, anything we believe will support you in living your big, beautiful life. We believe in the power of healing, and hopefully this podcast will be a great addition to your toolbox in your healing journey. Thank you for tuning in today, and let's get to the podcast. Welcome back to the Healed Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre, or Marie, and I'm super happy to be here with you today. So as we are speaking today, I am actually not here in Canada. I am actually right now in Italy, which is really exciting. So I am taking an Italy trip with my dad, where we are going to go see our ancestors' village and just travel around the country. And I'm really excited. And as I've been like recording, this podcast episode, I just couldn't stop thinking about the fact that I am so happy and I am so glad that I have done the recovery work so I can truly enjoy trips. It's such a weird thing when I look back at times where I was in the midst of my eating disorder or disordered eating years and like traveling or just, you know, living was just really difficult. And it was so hard to be present. It was so hard to be able to focus on, you know, the experiences that I was having. And a lot of my memories from back then are like very much tainted by the eating disorder and disordered eating. So being on this trip now, being away in Italy, it really does like reinforce this idea of like recovery is so freaking worth it. And I am so grateful for, you know, my younger self for showing up, for doing the work, for, you know, putting all the hours towards recovery. So today I can be here and truly fully experience life in the way that I want to. And And, you know, I hope that as I'm talking and saying this, I really just want to have this message across that you also deserve full recovery and you also deserve to have a great relationship with food and body that truly allows you to live the life that you want to live. This is not something special about me. right? We are all very deserving of this beautiful life. And I hope that, you know, you are getting the support and the attention that you need to be able to recover from your eating disorder and disordered eating. Now to switch gear today, we are talking about PCOS and eating disorders. So September is actually PCOS awareness month. So I'm really excited to be able to bring this topic up because PCOS is a condition that many women actually have. And many women actually don't know that they have. There's a lot of misunderstanding about PCOS, a lot of stigma around PCOS, and there's a pretty big correlation between PCOS and disordered eating and eating disorder. So I'm really happy today that we have Eden Davis, who is the co-founder of Pearl Wellness Practice and a registered dietitian nutritionist who practices medical nutrition therapy through a health at every size lens and weight inclusive approach. And she really focuses on the intersection of eating disorder recovery and PCOS. Eden really enjoys working with clients to understand the 
this diagnosis and how gentle nutrition can be beneficial in alleviating signs and symptoms. So restriction is not the vibe here when we're thinking about PCOS. On the weekend, she enjoys spending time with her husband, her fur babies, and playing tennis. I'm super pumped that Eden will be on the podcast today to just give more information around PCOS eating disorders and really moving away from toxic diet culture so we can make peace with food and our body. So on that note, let's get to the podcast episode. Welcome, Eden. I'm so pumped that you're on the podcast. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for being here. Before we get into today's podcast topic, um, I'd love to learn more about you, where you're from, what's your origin story, and what got you to do the work that you do today. Absolutely. So my name is Eden Davis. I am a registered dietitian nutritionist, and I am located in the Maryland area right here in um, Annapolis. So I love it here. It's a really great destination between DC and Virginia. So, and I own a practice where I do eating disorders and PCOS. I love that. And what got you to do that work? Yeah. So long story short, I have been in love with nutrition since I was like a child. So when I was about 10 years old, my little sister was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And as a kid, I did not know much about nutrition or the way the body worked or anything like that. Like never heard of diabetes, never heard of insulin. So I was, you know, pretty new to the scene. And I remember being in the hospital with my sister and we met with a dietitian. And she came and chatted with our family and was like, hey, so here's, here's, you know, the situation. This is what type one diabetes looks like. This is what nutrition looks like with type one. This is kind of like the lowdown on everything. And I, to this day, am so grateful for how she approached the situation. You know, instead of coming at it through a negative light, she was so positive and encouraging about nutrition and kind of explained like, hey, nothing's off limits. You know, you can have your cake and your ice cream. You can have what you want, but let's just look at how it's going to impact the body. And let's see like when we want to try to have it so that we can really find balance, you know, in our glucose and see how we can best serve the body. And as a kid, that was like, so that was such a relief, right? Like what kid or anyone wants to be told like, Oh, you can never have ice cream. You can never have cake, you know? So that was like a big relief. I was like, okay, great. You know, <laughs> we're mm-hmm. still going to we're still going to have everything that we want to do. So uh, watching, you know, her grow up and just really being so involved whenever, you know, she had like a low blood sugar, I'd be like, okay, what can I get? That's going to help bring that back up, you know? And when she was high, I'd be like, okay, what can we do to help bring that sugar back down? So nutrition was kind of there, you know, from childhood. And I always just got so passionate about how incredible it is and the impact that it can have on the body. So I always had this really positive outlet on nutrition and was like, okay, I didn't, I didn't know like what a dietitian was, but I was like, I'm going to do this, you know, like when I get older, <laughs> like whatever that is. And then figured it out when I got older and I was like, okay, I'm going to school for this. So went to school for nutrition and unfortunately just really started to see society's view on nutrition and quote unquote wellness. Right. Mm-hmm. And diet culture just really was so heavily involved and seeing how people would view nutrition as, Hey, let's, 
do X, Y, Z. Let's, you know, cut this and restrict that. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like that's not nutrition. And I just really wanted to help people understand what true nutrition, true wellness was because it wasn't the latest fad diet and it wasn't the restriction. So during my internship for nutrition and dietetics, I was under an RD who worked with diabetes and then also eating disorders. So I got to gain a lot more experience in those areas and really started to work with people and helping them see true nutrition. So I knew I really wanted to go into the eating disorder area so I could help people just heal that relationship between food and body. So very blessed that when I finished my internship, board exam and all, went on to work for an eating disorder center. So I got this really incredible position. I was the lead RD for a partial hospitalization program. which essentially looks like a day program during the week. So I would go in and I would work with adults who were recovering from a variety of eating disorders. And, you know, we would do one-on-one nutrition therapy. We would do cooking classes. We would do education. And I loved it. You know, I was all about it. I had a wonderful time with these people, but I really wanted to take it just one step further, you know, and go into the outpatient world so I could really provide that individualized treatment. Day program was incredible, but getting to work with that specific person on their specific journey was really important to me. So took that experience and went into outpatient, which was one of the best things I feel like I could have done. So within the practice, I'm our in-house dietitian. And then we also have an in-house therapist. So we provide the nutrition and the therapy for our clients to help them really overcome those eating disorders and disordered eating behaviors. And then while working with eating disorders, I started to see a lot of PCOS come up. So this was kind of new to me. Like I could tell you the textbook definition all day, right? But I didn't have like that experience with PCOS the way I wanted. So when people started to come to me for nutrition and they would say, oh, by the way, you know, like I have PCOS. I was like, all right, let me see what I can do as a provider because I want to ensure that I'm helping to the best of my abilities. So I did some really amazing training and courses and research and was able to really approach nutrition for both the eating disorder and the PCOS, which I think is so important because PCOS alone, more than 60% of individuals actually go on to form binge eating behaviors. So we really see the connection between eating disorders and PCOS. Wow. First of all, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's so interesting. And like I am, as you, as you were speaking, kind of like being able to kind of see as an observer, like how diet culture impacts all of the things and not being pulled in. I was like, wow, like that's such a cool experience that you have being able to kind of watch it and then being able to observe and be like, mm, got to fix that. <laughs> that's going to be my job. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I love that so much. And I love how like things kind of like came to you too, right? Like with your sister having diabetes and you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then like having a supervisor with eating surgery, you're like, great. And just like kind of following and trusting the process, which is kind of what we do with eating disorder care too. I love that so much. I love that so much. So today we do want to talk a little bit more about the PCOS and eating disorder intersection. And we do have a podcast on PCOS. So we talk just 
what that is, but I'm really interested in that piece of like the intersection between the two. Um, but maybe we can still do an overview for folks who maybe have not yet listened to the other podcast episode on PCOS. Um, what is PCOS? Absolutely. So PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome, and it actually affects more than 10 million women in the United States of America alone. And it's so interesting because we have so much research that we need on PCOS, but we are slowly gaining more more and more research on this. So it is very common in women a lot more than I think we realize. And more than 50% of individuals with PCOS actually go undiagnosed. Mm. Why do you think? I think it's because it's in a limit. So the way that you kind of identify if you have PCOS, it's like an elimination system. Mm -hmm. And it's not a straightforward answer. You know, it's not like one thing can determine if an individual has PCOS. So I feel like people aren't always as aware about PCOS and what it is. They don't always know what they're looking for and people just don't get their answers. You know, often when people come to me, they're like, I have PCOS. I have no idea what that means. You know, and I'm like, okay, how long have you had it? And they're like, I've had it for years. I'm like, okay. You know, and we start to talk about it and they're like, yeah, the doctor just kind of, you know, said, oh, you've got PCOS. I'm like, that was it. You know, so I feel like there's so such a disconnect there that people often just go undiagnosed or without really an understanding of what they have when it's PCOS. Hey, hey, my friends. I hope that you're loving this podcast episode, but I wanted to stop it to tell you about our low cost workshop happening this September. So on September 29th at 12 p.m. Eastern time, our wonderful dietitian Jasna that you heard last week will be facilitating a low cost workshop on health conditions and eating disorder recovery and really this idea of like health at every size and including health interventions when we are working on having a better relationship with food and body. As we are learning in this podcast, there are some conditions that require some nutrition intervention or maybe some attention to nutrition in different ways. And unfortunately, that can be a really slippery slope for different, you know, eating disorders or disordered eating. Um, And it can be really hard to try to manage both the health condition and maintaining a recovery or not slipping back to our eating disorder, disordered eating ways. So in this workshop, you're going to learn more about this wonderful intersection and how we can take care of our health and maybe engage in some nutrition intervention in a healthy and aligned way and without any restriction or diet culture BS. So if you are interested in joining us for this workshop, you can go to www.thebalancepractice.com forward slash LC workshop. This workshop is only $10 and we cannot wait to see you there. All right, back to the podcast. such an interesting thing. I was diagnosed with PCOS a couple years ago. And even as a dietitian, as a provider, I'm like, so what do I do? And then the, the my physician was like, well, until you get pregnant, like nothing really changes. Like once you're ready to have a family, then we can talk about what you're actually going to take for medication. And I was just like, that's a really interesting approach. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so interesting because people who aren't even wanting to have kids in the future, you know, like they deserve yeah. to PCOS too. Like yeah. why we're pausing, you know, until later on, like 
why not learn about it now? Yeah. And it's kind of odd with this idea of like, why is it only important if I become pregnant? Like it's weird. It's a little odd. So what are maybe some signs and symptoms that people may not be aware of that may be pointing them towards having PCOS? Absolutely. So some of the biggest things that people will start to notice if they do have PCOS is there could be a weight fluctuation in the body. And that's usually due to having increased levels of insulin. So insulin is a growth hormone, which can create what weight fluctuation in the body. So sometimes they'll notice some of that. And then there can also be hormonal acne on the face, as well as maybe on the chest, various areas of the body, and also a lot of hair growth. So sometimes people will notice on their face, on the chest, on the front of the body, they might have hair growth in areas they've never had it. And no matter how many times they shave, it can continues to come back. So these are some things that people will start to pick up on. Also having skin tags or having hair loss or hair thinning. These can also be related to PCOS. And then mood changes as well. With PCOS, there's so much fatigue. There's so much mood shifts and irritability that takes place. A lot of depression and anxiety and stress can come with it as well. So apart from those things, also looking at it and seeing, you know, what's the family history look like? Because PCOS is very based on genetics. So with PCOS, if you do have a family history of it, that could be something to look into. Like, okay, maybe I should get tested. Maybe I should see if this is something I might have. And when getting tested, you know, I mentioned it's more of like an elimination process than anything else, which is Mm. can be frustrating. So typically they're going to be looking for two of the three. So having high levels of androgens in the body or having skipped menstrual cycles. So having eight or fewer within the 12 month period, and then also seeing polycystic ovaries. So having two out of those three would usually be an indicator that we are looking at PCOS. Mm. And I'm curious, so when, if we move towards that intersection with eating disorders, could you tell us more about how do those relate together? Even like why maybe folks with PCOS are more likely to develop an eating disorder? Absolutely. I feel like with PCOS, there's so much misinformation and misunderstanding out there. And I think that's a huge contributing factor to the world of eating disorders. You know, they go to the doctor and more than likely they're told, okay, you know, lose weight and do X, Y, Z for your diet. Not even knowing the individual, what they're currently doing, what their lifestyle is like, Mm -hmm. no information, just like, here's something, do this, you know? And the interesting thing about it is that there is no research and there is no evidence that weight loss and, you know, any certain type of type of diet is effective for PCOS in the long term. So we have no research on that yet. We're still turning around telling people, Hey, go lose some weight and do X, Y, Z. And an individual who might have that genetic predisposition to an eating disorder being told, Hey, go do that. They might take that and run with it, you know, and Mm. people who have PCOS so desperately want to manage it. They 
want to get rid of this intense pain in their body. They want to be able to help decrease these symptoms that they're experiencing. So you tell them to do something, they're more than likely going to give it a, give it a whirl, you know? So they go on and they do what they were told, lose the weight, do X, Y, Z. And that can be a perfect storm for an eating disorder is thinking that these are the things that will lead to managing PCOS. If they're a high perfectionist and they go into it, you know, wanting to heal the PCOS, that can also be an open door. And also the body changes that are taking place. And if they're struggling with body image, that can lead to an eating disorder. Yeah, that's like so interesting. Like it sounds like it's a lot of the, how do I say it nicely? Like not so great advice that we may be getting from healthcare providers or just not even if it's not great advice, but just very, you know, just restrict your carbohydrates. And then we kind of like go off and start. And we know that like a negative energy balance is is a big risk factor in the development of eating disorder. And so it's just dieting in general. So if you're giving a diet to support your PCOS, it does in itself just start increasing your risk of developing an eating disorder. And then like you said, like the body piece as well, like body discomfort in general and feeling like, again, we need to change. I mean, I also see a lot and I don't know if you see this too, but also the fact that like, you know, insulin is different too. And like having higher cravings for food, when it's like not really understood and we don't really have the right interventions for it. And maybe we have like higher cravings and then maybe that leads to binge eating or maybe like this whole picture that then happens with, you know, what happens in the body when you have PCOS and when it's not being supported with the right interventions. Right. It creates the perfect storm for having that eating disorder. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I'm curious if we could talk maybe a little bit about, so when we have that overlap with PCOS and someone with an eating disorder, like what would be maybe some like treatment options or how do we hold space for both diagnoses and supporting the person in their recovery? Absolutely. And I think it really depends on that individual. Where I really like to start is I'll ask the person, can you tell me what PCOS looks like to you? Can you tell me what you know about it, something you want to learn about it and what your journey has been like so far? Because the misinformation that is out there, there's no telling what they've tried, you know? And so often what I see is that they come and they're like, I have done this diet and that diet and this and that, and I'm terrified of all foods now. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like that makes sense. You know, that you were told this and that about it. And now we have this fear that these foods are going to harm us and worsen PCOS. So I really like to see where they've come. And I also want to see where is your goal for weight loss? You know, if the doctor said, hey, you need to lose X amount so that we can treat your PCOS, that might be in their mind. And I can only do so much on nutrition if they are trying to control that weight, if they're trying to, you know, continue to lose weight through restriction and through these harmful behaviors. So what I really like to do is say, okay, where are we at right now? And then really back up the research for PCOS and the research for eating disorder recovery and say, you know, here's all the research that we have on long-term for PCOS. Weight loss is not included. Restriction is not included. And uh, also looking at the health at every size, you know, research studies that are out there and showing that we can be healthy in any body. You know, we don't have to lose weight for anything and help them truly understand the way inclusive approach to treatment. I think that's a huge, a huge part of it. So helping them where they currently are really digging into that research and understanding gentle nutrition for it. And once 
we've gone through those things and kind of gotten through the myths with PCOS and really start to apply that gentle nutrition perspective. I think it's really interesting because something I do with my clients who have eating disorders is I help them eat more consistently throughout the day. So we get in our meals, we get in our snacks, we get in, you know, a variety of foods and nutrients. And that's what we need to do for PCOS too. You know, we need to be eating more frequently. We need to stop restriction or stop those behaviors that are taking place. We need a variety of nutrients, a variety of macronutrients. So being able to help them understand that, then we're working on both PCOS and we're working on the eating disorder. So it's really coming down to finding that balance and saying like, hey, you know, when we restrict, it's really harmful towards the eating disorder and it's also impacting PCOS and helping them understand that and applying that gentle nutrition, you know, like, hey, let's have these foods together. Let's going to, you know, seeing how we can pair foods. So, hey, we can have whatever we want. Let's just see how we pair it. Let's see how that's going to impact our glucose levels. And I believe when we can truly understand gentle nutrition and get away from that restrictive diet culture mindset, we can really work on healing the eating disorder and the PCOS part. Yeah, I love that so much. It's really that piece of like nutrition by addition. And there's a lot of like very similarly in eating disorder care, like kind of like debunking a lot of the food myth that we learn. And then we just kind of add that level of like when we have other healthcare providers maybe supporting that it may like add a level that we need to like work through. Um, and then a lot of the body peace and body safeness. Like I think, you know, I think a lot about this a lot with eating disorder care, right? This idea that we feel so disconnected to the body and the body may start feeling like a place that is not safe to be in and reconnecting to that body. And I think with PCOS, it can be such a cool way to envision that too, and being able to reconnect to the experience of the body and being able to support ourselves through both like the recovery with the eating disorder and the PCOS interventions. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that so, so much. Um, and I really, I wonder if we could go through maybe a few like, like PCOS myths. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I hear yeah. them a lot. Like I feel like, so the weight loss, we kind of went through, we don't need yeah. to lose weight with PCOS. Like the health at every size approach is really supportive. There's no like guidelines of like weight loss being significant helpful when it comes to PCOS. But what, what are some maybe other myths that you see very frequently with your clients that we can like debunk here? Yeah. My favorite one to debunk is the whole cutting carbs like mm -hmm. you know what carbs did to get such a bad rep around here oh, but hydrates are so incredible you know they are a primary fuel source we need carbohydrates no matter what the situation is. And I feel like so many clients come to me fearful of carbs, mm -hmm. you know, and it's really understanding what carbs do for the body and kind of going through them too. You know, like there's different types of carbs. We have our simple carbs, we have our complex carbs and just kind of understanding the gentle nutrition behind it saying, you know, we're not going to cut out carbs. We're not going to restrict carbs, but we're going to understand them. Mm. Simple Have a simple structure. So all that means is not that they're the bad guys, not that they're going to do something terrible to our bodies, but they're going to be broken down and digested quickly because they're simple carbs and they have a simple structure. So seeing that and saying, okay, so a simple carb broken down easier, that's probably going to have an impact on my glucose levels. And then seeing a complex carb. Oh, okay. A complex carb has a complex structure. It has more fiber to it. It has more that's going to take longer to break down, longer to digest. So that impact on the glucose won't be as, you know, strong as 
a simple carb would be. And just really reinforcing that idea that carbs aren't the bad guys. We just want to see how they impact our sugar. So if we have a simple carb, why don't we pair it with something? Why don't we pair that with a protein or why don't we pair that with a fat, you know, or why don't we have that before we go, you know, and do something so that it doesn't have such an impact on our glucose. We can still have what we want. We don't need to restrict it. We don't need to cut out carbohydrates. We just need to learn more about them and how they serve the body, what the nutrition really looks like. And also just looking at carbs too, you know, with PCOS, we see inflammation, right? We see GI distress. We see all these things that come up with the body when carbohydrates could be so helpful towards that. Having more fiber to help with the GI distress would be wonderful. Having all those antioxidants and anti-inflammatory properties, that's so needed, you know, when working through PCOS. So this myth going around that we should cut carbs, it just, it doesn't add up because carbs are so beneficial to the body. And when we look at all the healing benefits of them, they help more than anything else. Oh, a hundred percent. And then like when you do restrict them, like your stress goes up and your cortisol goes up, which increases inflammation. And I'm like, not, not what we're looking for. And I'm curious if we could talk about gluten. Cause like, I feel like that's always what I see. I see like PCOS, like dairy-free, gluten-free, like that's what you need to do. Like, can we debunk that please? And thank you. Yeah, There's like no research out there that even like supports cutting out gluten, cutting out dairy. I feel like we get bored and we just start like cutting out pieces. We're like, well, you know what? They did that. So let's do this. And we feel like we have to always offer these like hot, bad diets, you know, to help with PCOS and help, you know, get through this stage. And it's like, those are honestly the red flags. When we see the dairy free, cutting out gluten, cutting out carbs, Carbs, those are the red flags that we need to turn around and run away from. The mm-hmm. key is nutrition. The key is addition. Like we should be replenishing these needs, not taking away from yeah. food this in so many ways. So the thought of restricting something, especially when there's no research to even back that up, is just harmful to the body. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I love that you say that because I feel like that's definitely the red flag. Like when you see these like diets that are like cutting off all of these foods and restricting all the foods, like most of the time it isn't needed. Like unless we're intolerant, unless we have an allergy, like unless for some reason our body is not okay with that food, like it isn't required but I feel like there's like also like this sense of especially when we mix that with the ED like there's this sense of like satisfaction when we are not eating those things you know yeah and it kind of comes back to like why are we labeling it you know like why do we have to cut something out are we holding any value to these things you know like is there moral value associated with food for you is this good or is this bad is this define who you are there can be so much to that when working through the eating disorder Mm -hmm. and I I wonder how you manage like with ED when we are like working through just the recovery process and then you add the PCOS as a health condition where although we're not focusing on restriction, it may still require more thought behind how we eat and like the different interventions. Like 
How do you support folks in not becoming obsessive with that? Because it can be still a very slippery slope, even if we try to have that like good mindset behind it. No, you're you're absolutely right. It's a very slippery slope and it's so easy, unfortunately, for people to get into. You know, and people will call me and say, you know, I don't have an eating disorder, but I've never been into diet culture. I've never done that before. I was told I have PCOS and then something switched, you know, and then I was started getting like fearful about everything everything. And I think I'm, you know, getting to that point, I want to work on that. And I can absolutely see how that would be, you know, we get scared and there's so much out there that it's hard not to cling to, or it's hard to look at food and not, you know, let the gentle nutrition dip into diet culture for a second. One thing I love to really drive home to my clients when talking to them is I like to really explain glycemic index, glycemic load, no foods should be restricted, no foods should be taken off. Let's just apply gentle nutrition around that. Mm. And once they understand, you know, glucose and insulin and the A1C, I like to kind of explain food as, you know, uh, let's say a goal is that we pair simple carbs. We're going to pair simple carbs with something that has more structure to it. So it doesn't have such an impact on our glucose. And uh, they're, you know, out and about having an awesome time with a loved one. And, you know, they have an ice cream cone and they didn't pair with anything, you know, and like, they're like, oh my, gosh, this is going to impact my glucose. I'm going to, you know, worsen my PCOS. And they start to go from there. We kind of bring us back to the moment and say, we're looking for progress, not perfection. You know, we're not looking for perfection. There's no such thing as perfection when it comes to food. So looking at that and reminding ourselves that one time, yeah, there probably was a spike in your glucose levels and that's okay. You know, what we are looking for is the A1C. We're looking for overtime and your A1C is kind of like that snapshot in time of three months worth of glucose levels. And it's not going to be from that one episode, that one food, it's going to be overall, it's going to be that balance that, you know, variety that you've had the past three months, so many things impact the A1C and it's not one thing. I to really drive that home with them and remind them like not, not one thing is going to make it or break it when it comes to anything in life, but especially PCOS. So mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, if we can pair when we're able to or come up with snack ideas, let's do it. You know, that could be really helpful, but that doesn't define you. And that's not going to teach PCOS by itself. Yeah. I love that so much. Like focusing on the consistency over being perfect. And then also like the discomfort of being imperfect. Like a lot of us, when we are stuck in diet culture and we're all very all or nothing. And then like, even if we know that it may not impact, but just knowing that we didn't do it as like the plan and what we wanted to do like it can start also feeling like super uncomfortable so even like we call like the nutrition incidentals of like life will happen within whatever we're doing and we need to leave rooms for those times to happen of like when I'm having ice cream like I don't want to have to think about adding cheese with it like no thank you I'm just going to enjoy my ice cream and then I'm going to move on with my day and everything will be fine so like kind of like allowing life to also happen within it no it's it's so true and it's so challenging but it's so it's such a good thing to work through you know because we we need balance and we've got to challenge (laughs) that perfection 
you know, piece to so many different areas of life and yeah. just bring it back to, you know, if they do show up and they're fearful or they're stressed and they're like, I messed up. It's like, okay, we didn't mess up because there's no perfect eating. So first of all, you know, that's not a thing. Yeah. Second of all, reminding yourself that that food does not define you. You know, what happened last week does not define you. It's the long run. It's the overall, you know, that we're looking for. It's not every single day because that isn't healthy. That isn't yeah. healthy. Yeah. And I also find too, like, when it becomes a choice, it also feels different. Like if I'm, you know, if you are eating something and it just feels maybe more like a compulsion or it feels like kind of like we shamed yourself into it or we just like, we're like, I shouldn't have that. I shouldn't have that. I shouldn't have that. And then we break it and we have it because we're like, fuck it mentality. It tends to lead to a lot of guilt and shame behind it. Whereas if we are able to get behind like, hey, I'm making this choice. I'm choosing to right now have this because I want to be able to enjoy this ice cream it's hot. It's nice. I'm with my partner. It's going to be so great. I'm making that choice. I also feel like that is so helpful and able to reduce some of the guilt or anxiety or stress that we may have because it no longer feels out of alignment. It feels like, no, this was very much in alignment with how I wanted to feel and be today. Exactly. And it's so empowering for an individual to really but like intuitive eating, gentle nutrition space in reality, right? Like PCOS is lifelong. Are you never going to have your favorite foods again? You know, are you never going to have that ice cream? No, you're going to have it. So have it and enjoy it and make the most of it because food is so much more than fuel, you know, and there's, Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that so much. So if somebody's listening and they have PCOS or maybe think they may have PCOS, do you have any tips of what they should look for in terms of like getting support if they're also like, you know, in their ED recovery or had like history of eating disorders to make sure that the provider they're going to be working with will maybe not be re-triggering the ED or worsening the ED and be really more like within that weight inclusive and health at every size aligned approach. Yeah, it's so necessary. I unfortunately have so many people that come to me and it's like in their charts, like it literally says in bold, you know, like eating disorder history and the doctor's still over there like, oh, lose weight. Oh, do this X, Y, Z. And it's just like, did you even read the chart? You know, like, do you do you even see what's going on? And it can be really upsetting. So if you're working with an eating disorder treatment team, that would be a great route to take is like, hey, talking with your providers, your dietitian, your therapist and saying like, do you have an endo? Do you have a, like, who would you recommend in the area? Because it'll, you know, definitely vary depending on where they're located. But being able to work with your treatment team, and then I would definitely, you know, get a release of information and let your treatment team call them before you even step foot in the door, you know, and just kind of give a rundown of like, hey, this is what we're doing. We're not talking about XYZ. Can you, you know, be respectful to their boundaries? That would be ideal, but we don't live in an ideal world. So if they're not working, you know, with a treatment team, I would look up on the website, find a health at every size provider near me and see if you can find someone that way, at least someone who's mm-hmm. held at every size. And what I love to do when I'm trying to identify if a provider is health at every size, I just simply ask them, what does that mean to you? You know, like oh. what does health every size mean to you? Because two things will happen. One, they'll just casually talk to you and be like, oh, you know, like health at every size is X, Y, Z. And this is my experience. Or they'll be like, what's health at every size? You know, or <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yes. 
Yeah, you find a catchy phrase and you put it on your website, right? So yeah, yeah. I love to have clients ask that and then come up with like a list of questions. Like what would be your advice to someone who is in a larger body with PCOS and see how they answer that. If they answer it surprised or confused, I would be like, okay, there's, there's something, you know, and ask them, how would you, what, what advice would you give to someone who is in a smaller body? Because if they're giving different advice to that person, then that's a red flag. And I don't believe they might be practicing from a health at every size perspective. Yeah. I love that. Like questioning <laughs> those. I think that's so important. Like, I know like we offer connection calls and like opportunities for clients to like ask questions and like, you should always do a connection call also. Um, but yeah, I think that's really cool to just be able to start asking those questions. Like if it's important to you um, and also like stalking the website, because I really do feel like folks who are anti-dying way inclusive, like we like to say it, we like to say it loud. Yes, it's gonna- <laughs> we always want to talk about that. So I think it's going to become like pretty obvious on like who is what <laughs> and does what. And a big red flag for me is when I see someone on their website that has services offered and they have eating disorder recovery, weight loss treatment. Yeah. That's a, like that's a no, that's an ick. That's gross. We don't do that. Yeah, it's a so, huge ick. You can't have both. You you can't, you can't do both. So no, like where no, it, it, it doesn't work. And it's just super anyways. And I know like in my eating disorder years, I would have been like, you are the one, like if you can help me both, yeah. I can do it. but like, no guys, like the two circles don't touch. Like this is not a Venn diagram. We cannot mix them. Yeah, they live in their own bubbles for sure. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so much fun. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your practice? Absolutely. It's been a great time. I love getting to just kind of speak to the community. So I'd love to stay in touch with you guys. I will have a podcast coming um, at the beginning of 2024. So really about that, it's going to be called the Grit into Worth podcast. So my in-house therapist and myself will be kind of leading that and bringing on some really great speakers and some really great topics. So if you're looking to just continue to build that community, I'd love to have you guys over there. And then on social media at the Per Wellness Practice, and then also pretty active on the website. I do a lot of blogs around PCOS. I even have a quiz on there about, you know, could you have PCOS? And it kind of walks you through what that might look like. So if you're listening today and curious, you could definitely go check that out as well. Awesome. And all of the links guys will be in the show notes. So you can just scroll down and click and it's super easy peasy. Um, But those are amazing resources. before we go today, we're going to end off with our fun questions. The first one being, what is your favorite food? Such a hard question. My favorite foods are (laughs) double stuffed Oreos. Those are my favorites. I love soup. I love soup Mm -hmm. year round. So soup's definitely top of the list. So double stuffed Oreos and soup. Okay. And then I need to know how you eat your Oreos. Like, do you take a bite into it? Do we separate? It has to be separated. It has to be separated. Like the people who take bites, I don't, I cannot really. They're not, they they gotta, you know, have that whole experience. You have to twist it and have like the cream. The cream makes it for me. It's a huge part. Yeah. I do like the gross thing where like you twist it off. You like, I dip it in milk, eat the cookie, peel off the rest, hold it in my fingers, eat the other cookie and then like lick the cream. (laughs) Experience. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is awesome. the way like that's the, that is the ultimate way to eat an oreo cookie i will definitely try that next time okay. you you have to now you have to there's no other way okay if you could have a superpower what would it be it'd be to be in two places at once i have loved ones kind of scattered out so if i could you know be in two places and see more people throughout the day that would be awesome so mm. I love that. I love that. I would love to have like a working me and then a like living me. So nice. Like always on vacation. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All the time. Um, And then you can swap. So like your, your two use can swap. So like no one gets burnt out ever. It's the happy world. (laughs) There we go. There we go. What is your favorite way to self-care? That's a good question. I think it it depends on the day. You know, I have so many different tools for self-care and it kind of depends on the space that I have and what I'm kind of looking for. I really love journaling and kind of working through various workbooks and just kind of reflecting and seeing like where I currently am, what I need to replenish in my life right now. So that's one way I really enjoy self-care. Other days, if I don't feel like doing anything really deep, I'm going to go play some tennis, you know, crack open a fresh can of tennis balls and just go on the court and enjoy some sunshine. That's a huge thing for self-care for me. I love that. And last question for you, what does balance mean to you? I love that. I think balance, we need so much balance. Okay. (laughs) Love it. I love the question on balance. I think balance is really challenging that all or nothing mindset. You know, it's being able to have a little bit of everything and variety in life. And it's so fitting to today's conversation on PCOS and eating disorders because we have to have balance in these areas of life. We can't, you know, be all or nothing when it comes to nutrition or other areas because that won't be healthy and that won't lead us to where we're wanting to get. So being able to have balance and challenging that perfection piece. I love that so much. Thank you so much, Eden, for being on the podcast. It was such a pleasure to connect with you, to have this conversation. I'm sure that the listeners will love it. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Hey friend, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode on PCOS and eating disorders. I hope that it was informative for you and that you got, you know, some really good value from it. Again, if you are interested in learning more about how we can manage health conditions and eating disorder recovery, you're not going to want to miss our upcoming workshop on September 29th at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Jasna, our wonderful dietitian here at The Balance Practice, will be facilitating this amazing workshop where we're going to be talking about that exact intersection. How can we take care of ourselves without slipping back into eating disorder behaviors or disordered eating? So I hope to see you there. I hope that you get to join us. The link will be in the show notes. so You can just click the link and register today. On that note, my friends, I'm off to enjoy gelato in Italy, and I will catch you next week in the next podcast episode. Mm-hmm.